Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, presented by the Malicious Life uh, Podcast, sponsored by Cyber Reason from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today we're going to present crime correspondent the series lasted four episodes in november of 1949 and it focused on a radio reporter who dealt with crime the series stars paul freeze freeze was well known for his voice work in animation as well as as a narrator for walt disney and other companies some of the characters he originated included uh, Professor Ludwig von Drake for Disney, as well as Boris Badenoff, Ape from George of the Jungle, and the role of Fred in Super Chicken. Over radio, he did a lot of character work, and he was given a few uh, opportunities as a star, probably most notably in The Player and Studio X, where he performed all the voices. Frank Graham, who artist Jeff Regan, actually had a similar series. These are always somewhat interesting to listen to because it's not like an audiobook. It's a real story with one man able to use uh, the voice flexibility to play all the parts. Today's episode of Crime Correspondent is the first episode, the original air date, November the 4th of 1949. But before we uh, present that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, the Malicious Life Podcast. When you listen to Golden Age detective stories, you find a lot of crimes are very similar. Nothing poses a greater challenge for the detective or more danger to the public than when a criminal comes up with a new twist on an old crime. The Malicious Life Podcast, sponsored by Cyber Reason, tells how many cyber crimes have evolved into dangerous threats that we all have to deal with, as cyber criminals themselves move from one type of cyber crime to another. The podcast begins with the birth of the earliest viruses and follows through talking about spam and DDoS attacks, as well as getting to the biggest modern-day concern, ransomware is covered in their fifth episode. In many ways, ransomware itself is an old twist on the extortion racket as a program pops up on the user's computer advising them to pay up or their data will be lost. And that crime itself has evolved. First ransomware attacks are discussed. Now it was the work of a somewhat amateurish crank. But modern cyber criminals have found a new twist and are making a fortune on it. To learn more, check out the Malicious Life podcast. You can subscribe at mlife.podbean.com. That's mlife.podbean.com. Now, let's go ahead and listen to The Chair for Dino. Time. Time for your crime correspondent. Good evening, citizens. This is Larry Mitchell with the latest news of the world. The Underworld Bulletin. 
Los Angeles, California. Police tonight were close to the solution of the lurid Black Dahlia killing. After several hours of intensive drilling, Harry Forbes, 28, broke down and admitted he had known Elizabeth Short in... The Columbia Broadcasting System presents Crime Correspondent, starring Paul Fries as Larry Mitchell. Police broke up attempted tavern robbery tonight, but a running gun battle ensued in which two policemen were wounded and one bandit was killed. To Officer Ryan, we say, good shooting. Exclusive. Now, it can be told. The dramatic inside story, which I call The Chair for Dino. You saw it in your morning paper, citizen. Read the story of cop killer Dino Cerotti, who barricaded himself in a rooming house on East Lancy Street last night kept the police of your city at bay for almost two hours. Yes, it was there in your morning paper. And on page one, you saw the photograph. You saw the figure of a man sprawled out on the front steps. He was Sergeant Frank Vixen of your police department, who died by a killer's gun. And here, by tape recorder, is how he died, as told to your crime correspondent by the witnesses. First, Mrs. Dillon, the landlady. Well, it was a few minutes after eight when the two police officers came to the house and asked about Mr. Cerati. He must have heard them because suddenly he opened his door and started shooting. Um, the officer standing next to me, Sergeant Dixon, uh, staggered and stumbled out the front door and fell down the steps. Right away, I knew he was dead. And so, dear citizens, death came to Sergeant Frank Dixon on the steps of an old brownstone house at 721 East Lancy Street. Death on a quiet Saturday night. Exactly one hour, 55 minutes later, Lieutenant Steve McCoy of your police department had this story to tell. When Detective Williams, Bernstein, and I started running for the house, we expected Cerrone to start shooting again. <coughs> Excuse me. But he didn't. After we worked our way inside the house and up to the front room where he was, we found him slumped over in a chair. The gun in his hand, there was a bullet hole in his right temple. He was dead. Yes, Dino Cerrone. Cop killer was dead, dead by his own hand, and up and down the streets, the citizens of East Lancy breathed a sigh of relief. Happiest citizen was one Charlie Simmons, who'd been trapped in the rooming house with Killer Cerrone through it all. Well, I was taking a nap in my room here when I heard the shooting. I uh, went out in the hall to see what was going on. That's when I saw Cerrone with a gun. I uh, ducked back into my room and locked the door, and I stayed there until the cops came. Oh, boy. Am I sure glad it's over? Yes, it was over, ladies and gentlemen. Over for Charlie Simmons, who'd been trapped in the rooming house. Over for Dino Cerrone, cop killer who was dead. Over for the citizens of East Lancy Street. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not over. Because all the facts were not there in your morning paper. There was more to the death of Dino Cerrone. There were other facts your police department would not, could not reveal. And here are those facts, reported exclusively here. Yes, now it can be told. When the 
peace and quiet of East Lansing Street had been restored, the body of Dino Cerotti delivered to the morgue, there was one question on everybody's mind. Why? Why had the police come to Mrs. Dillon's boarding house in the first place? What had they wanted with Dino Cerotti? Well, that question was on my mind, too, last night when I dropped around police headquarters. I was certain Lieutenant McCoy could give me the answer. Look, Mitchell, I've already told this to every reporter in town. We only wanted to ask Sarodi some questions. Like what? I can't go into that. Now, run along like a good boy, huh? I got things to do. Oh, come on, McCoy. Break down. Sarodi was wanted for questioning. Let it go at that. Kind of touchy tonight, McCoy. Your ulcers again? Beat it, will you? Okay, okay. Oh, uh, who's Joshua Spear? Spear? How'd you know about Joshua Spear? Surprise. My leg man, Jeff Hayes, collared him down at the morgue half hour ago. He got his name before you boys whisked him inside. Uh, maybe Spear went in to take a look at Cerrone, huh? Maybe. Friend? Relative? Call it morbid curiosity. Look, McCoy, what's going on? What's all this hocus-pocus? Who's Joshua Spear? What's he to Dino Cerrone? Why don't you go back to the morgue? Maybe the boys there will tell you. Only you don't think they will, huh? Okay, McCoy, I'll give it another try. See you later. Well, Jeff, Spears still inside the morgue? Uh, I don't think so. Got a hunch the cops slipped him out the back way. How'd you make out with McCoy? I didn't. Oh, uh, did you look up Joshua Spear in the phone book? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Here's the number. Larry, what's all this runaround we're getting? Maybe I'll tell you. After I call this number. <laughs> don't get it. Hang around the morgue all day, look up a guy's number. Maybe he knows what he's doing. I don't know. Mrs. Spear? Yes? Uh, this is an old friend of your husband's. Just got into town. I thought I'd look him up. Well, I'm sorry. He isn't in just now. Oh, that's too bad. Say, uh, how's he doing with his bakery? Bakery? I'm afraid you've made a mistake. My husband works for the Fallon Construction Company. He... Huh? Mrs. Spear? Who is this? Hello? Hello, who is this? <laughs> well, 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 what happened? Lieutenant McCoy was out there. He grabbed the phone from Mrs. Spear. McCoy? Say, what are the cops up to anyways? Maybe Mrs. Spear said something she shouldn't have. Yeah, like what? Ever hear of the Fallon Construction Company? Well, sure, sure. They're building that new cutoff, the tunnel road up. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, two nights ago, somebody broke into the storage sheds, tied up the night watchman. A guy named Spear, that's right. Spear was the night watchman. And now the cops bring in Spear to have a look at Cerrote. Why? You think Cerrote is the guy who broke into the storage sheds? Could be, Jeff. Come on, let's get back to Mrs. Dillon's boarding house. She might have something interesting. I can't say I ever really felt at ease you know, with the likes of Cerrote in my house. There was something about him that, well, gave me the creeps. Are you sure, Mrs. Dillon, that you didn't see Cerrote leave the house night before last? No, no, I didn't. But I did see him go out tonight. Oh, well, it was around six, just getting dark. Had two suitcases with him. Huh? Oh, I was so relieved I didn't even ask him for the rent. He owed me a day, you know. But I didn't care. I was so glad he was checking out. As it turned out, he wasn't checking out. Came back about an hour later and stayed in his room. Then around 8, the police showed up. About the suitcases, Mrs. Dillon. Did he... He didn't have them with him when he returned. I see. I don't know what he was doing with those suitcases. All his clothes are still in the room. Now I ask you, Mr. Mitchell, what am I supposed to do with these things? 
And who's going to pay for my chair? It's ruined, you know, completely ruined. Hmm? Uh, what was that, Miss Stone? Well, my chair, the one Sir was sitting in when he killed himself, covered with blood stains. It's no good to me. Oh, yes, yes, good. Well, thank you, Mrs. Dillon. Are you leaving? Sorry to rush off like this. I suddenly remember I have some business to take care of down at police headquarters. Get every squad car in that neighborhood on it right away. We haven't got all night. Well, you back again? You find the TNT yet, Lieutenant? What What did you say? I said you find the TNT. You know, the stuff Sirotti swiped from the Fallon Construction Company night before last. I don't know what you're talking about, Mitchell. Let me try this on you for size, McCoy. You had Joshua Spear brought down here to see if he could identify Sirotti as the guy who broke into the sheds of the construction company the other night, right? Go on, smart boy. Sirotti was the guy, wasn't he? Sure, maybe you had a hunch, a lead on Sirotti. So that's why you send a couple of your boys around to Mrs. Dillon's rooming house. That's when the shooting happened. You're in a weed field, Mitchell. What happened after that, we can all read about in the papers, can't we, McCoy? Except there's one little item you didn't mention to the press. You didn't tell us about the TNT. You didn't find it in Sirotti's room, did you? You're raving. I don't think so. I think it'll make a great story. See you around, Lieutenant. Uh, wait a minute. W- wait a minute. Come back here. All right. Let's have it. Why did he steal that TNT, McCoy? I don't know. But there's one thing I do know, Mitchell. If you let that story out, I'll see to it personally that you never get near another microphone as long as you live. Oh, Lieutenant, do you think I'm that stupid? If that story gets out, we'll have the biggest panic on our hands this town has ever seen. So Sirotti did plant the stuff somewhere. Yeah, yeah, here. Here. Take a look at this. We found this piece of paper in Sirotti's hand. Hmm? You'll be hearing from me again, Copper. Too bad you'll never find it in time. McCoy, does this mean... Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in this town, there's a time bomb, Mitchell, ready to go. We don't know how soon or where it is. It's taken off right now, and there's enough TNT in that bomb to blow up an entire city block. We'll return to the second act of Crime Correspondent in just a moment. But first... May we remind you of the great lineup of adventure shows on your CBS station every Saturday night. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, followed by Gangbusters, one of the most famous crime shows on the air. Then there's the highly unusual adventure show, Escape. Be sure to listen every Saturday night to your CBS station for High Adventure. Now, back to Larry Mitchell, your crime correspondent. Yes, citizens, last night, somewhere in your city, a bomb had been planted. A bomb that would blow up an entire city block. Only one man knew where it was, Dino Cerotti, cop killer. But he wouldn't, couldn't talk for a very good reason. He was stretched out on a marble slab at the morgue. Why had he planted that time bomb? That was the very big, big question. And there was another important question. Would your police find it in time? What do you think this crazy Cerrone had on his mind, Larry? Revenge, Jeff. What else? Ah, had a grudge against somebody, huh? Any idea who? No. No leads at all, huh? Not a one. 
Oh, fine, fine. And that bomb's liable to go off any sec. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's the Dillon boarding house up ahead, Jeff. Oh, okay. Hey, isn't that somebody sitting there on the steps? Yeah, Charlie Simmons, the guy who was trapped in the building with Cerrone. <laughs> if I was him, I wouldn't be sitting on my room on house steps. I'd be out getting drunk. Uh, wait for me, Jeff. Oh, and Jeff, if I leave here without you... Sure, sure, I know. I'll follow you. Right. Hi, Charlie. Huh? Oh, Mr. Mitchell. Didn't recognize you for a minute. How are you feeling? Still a little shaky. I've been thinking I ought to go out and get drunk. I don't blame you. Well, it was quite an experience you had. If it never happens again, it'll be too soon. Yeah. Oh, is Mrs. Dillon in? Uh, she went out. Be back soon, though. Why don't you wait? Oh, thanks. By the way, I understand this Sorote wasn't much of a mixer, was he? That's right. It wasn't a friendly start. The other rumors here stayed away from him. Didn't you? No. Maybe it was because I felt sorry for the little guy. He really wasn't so bad. He was sure he had to be kind of crazy at times. Once you got to talk to him and find out what made him tick, he wasn't such a screwball. He was smart. You get to know him pretty well? <laughs> I didn't say that, Mr. Mitchell. I, I don't think anybody could ever get to know Sorty real well. He, well, I guess he had a mad on. Somebody must have done him a bad turn once, I guess. You didn't happen to mention who it was, did you? Nope. The police asked the same thing. Yeah, I couldn't remember never mentioning anyone by name. So what, what's going on? The law seems mighty interested in Sorody. The law is, Charlie. Yeah. Well, get a little chilly here. Uh, let's go back to my room if you want to wait for Mrs. Dillon. Oh, all right. Police sure are busy tonight, ain't they? It sure sounds that way. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Mitchell. After you. Way back at the end of the hall. Oh, thanks, Charlie. I'll turn on the light. There we are. Well, make yourself at home, Mr. Mitchell. Sit down. Here, move that chair. Oh, this is fine. It ought be a little snort on it. I don't have any stuff around. And Mrs. Dillon don't like for a room is to have liquor on the premises. One reason, I guess, why she didn't take my sister, Rody. Hey, you listening? Hmm? Oh, uh, what'd you say? Mrs. Dillon didn't take to Cerrote much. Doesn't like drinkers, you know, and Cerrote always had a bottle in his room. Guess he drank to forget his troubles. You know, it seemed to me like it made him worse instead. Like a week ago when I ran into him on the street. He was plastered. Loosen his tongue, Annie? Mm, a little. He was griping about how he'd been given the fast shuffle. First I thought he was talking about the girl. Girl? What girl? The one in the nightclub. What nightclub? Well, the one he came out of when I ran into him. Say, that's something I forgot to tell the police. Slipped my mind completely. I knew there was something. Charlie, what about this girl? Who is she? Uh, a friend of his. His dad uh, worked a uh, cigarette girl, I think. Uh, I can't remember her name. Where is this nightclub? Oh, uh, well, let me see now. It seems like it was back a few blocks near uh, 54th, I think. Charlie, could you find it again? Oh, I suppose so. Say, I hit on something important? You certainly did. Come on, Charlie. The drinks are on me. <laughs> What'll it be, gents? Oh, uh, scotch and water for me. How about you, Charlie? Well, as long as you're buying. Make that too, by the Scotch and water coming up. Oh, by the way, Charlie, I don't see the cigarette girl around. Yeah. I don't know where she could be. I'm sure this is the place. Well, 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 well. You look like a couple of friendly characters. Let's say we'll have a little drink, huh? 
Someone you know, Charlie? Never saw him before. Oh, now that's no Sorry, way. Sorry, pal. We're talking business. You mind? Oh, all right. If you want to be unfriendly, I can take a hint. Yeah, shove off. I'll get as far away as possible. Way down at the end of this bar. Bartender! Scotch! Double! That character bothering you? No, no, he's all right. Say, bartender, uh, I don't see the cigarette girl around. That's right, you don't. She quit a couple hours ago. What? She's entitled to quit if she wants ancient. All right. Where's she live? I wouldn't know. Come on, come on, barkeep. You can remember if you tried real hard, huh? Put your money away, Buster. I don't know where she lives. And leave her alone. She's a nice kid. You still want the scotch? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, Gus. Gus, take care of the two gents there at the end of the bar, will you? Teachers and water. I gotta make a phone call. Okay, Vic. Well, you got the phone number, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Sure, how could I miss with that bartender dialing the phone right under my nose? Yeah, here it is. That was a good act you put on. <laughs> okay, let's go. Hey, uh, where's friend Charlie? You leave him in the bar? Yeah, I think he's in the mood now to tie one on. Come on, let's get down to headquarters. I want McCoy to trace his phone number. Yeah, but McCoy will stick his nose in. I've got another bit of information that'll keep him busy. Come on, when we get that address, we're going to call on a lady. <laughs> Yes. Hello. Do, do I know you? No. I'm just curious about a guy called Sorotti. Hey, please? It's the reporter, Larry Mitchell. Oh. Look, I, I don't know anything. Sure you do. Oh. I'll get out of here. Give me a break, will you? I don't want to get mixed up in this. You won't if you'll answer a few questions and fast. I'll tell you anything you want to know, only you've got to keep me out of this. Was he your boyfriend? No. No, but he kept coming around to the club bothering me. He wouldn't leave me alone. He, well, we used to go around together back these years ago. Before I got married. Oh, married? Yeah, my husband's been overseas. He's coming back in a week. Look, I don't want to get mixed up in anything. Okay, okay, relax. Thrody carried a big, fat grudge around with him. He was good and sore at somebody. Who was it? A grudge? Oh, oh. Sure, that'd be a, a man named Malcolm. J.V. Malcolm. Malcolm Wholesale Drudge. Yeah. There was something that happened several years back. I'll go back east. Dino said the company gypped him. Wait a minute. This doesn't add up. Malcolm lives in New York, doesn't he? I don't know. He and his family moved out here a week ago. This is it. You sure? Yeah. Dino told me a couple of nights ago. They're living out on River Road. That's all I wanted to know, honey. I hope you're telling me the truth. Oh, I am. All right. Mr. Mitchell, you promised you wouldn't involve me. Yeah, yeah. You know something, honey? I've already forgotten your name. Come on. Come on. Yes, sir? The name's Larry Mitchell. I have to see Mr. Malcolm right away. Well, I'm sorry, but Mr. Malcolm's in front of me. At this time of night, cut it out. Well, I'm Mr. Malcolm's general manager. Perhaps I can... Look, you won't be for long if you don't clear out of this house. Here, is this some sort of a joke? Ever hear of a guy called Sorotti? Sorotti? Why, no. 
Hey, what's going on out there? Those cars pulling into the driveway. The police. I called them ten minutes ago. I've got a good hunch there's a load of TNT somewhere in this house, and we're going to find it before it finds us. TNT? Come along, Mr. Mitchell. Mr. Malcolm is in the library. Executive board meeting. Malcolm's selling his interest to tire. All the big shots of Malcolm drugs collected under one roof, huh? That figures. Perfect setup for a guy with a grudge. Sorote had it all figured out. Who is this, this Sorote? It's a long story, Mr. Gargan. Let's get everybody out of this house first. I'll fill you in on people. Any luck on your side of the house, Jeff? Not a thing, Larry, no. Oh, what time is it? One o'clock. And that bomb isn't going to wait forever. It's got to be around here, somewhere. Look, the cops have been all over the house half a dozen times. Hey, Mitchell! Uh-oh, here comes the chief of police, and he doesn't look happy. Well, Mitchell, you got any more bright ideas? Oh, now, look, Connolly. You and your hot tip. We've wasted enough time around here. We're pulling out right now. Oh, but, chief... If you think the bomb is in there, hop to it. You'll have the whole house to yourself. Okay, boys, let's roll. Come on, Larry, let's get back to town, huh? Yeah, sure. The car's right over here. Huh? Where to now? We're not licked yet, Jeff. We better see if we can locate McCoy. I want to find out if he made any headway with that tip I gave him. Larry, you think there's really something to that... Hey. What? Hey, you got somebody sitting in our car? Hmm, looks like a girl. Hi. How about a ride back into town? In the excitement, the others went off and left me. Others? I'm Judy Carson. Just one of the Malcolm office slaves. He came out for the conference. <laughs> well, do I get a lift? I live on 76th Street off Shelby. Yeah, sure. It's all, right. all right, get in, Jess. The whole thing sort of turned out to be a big, fat dud, didn't it? Hey, look, honey, uh, don't rub it in, huh? If I say something wrong, I'm sorry. Okay, Jeff, let's go. That's my apartment house up ahead. Yeah, okay. You two boys always as talkative. Oh, we got problems, honey, and not much time to solve. <laughs> well, thanks for the lift anyway. Yeah. Uh-oh. There's the boyfriend. What? He's sitting in his car up ahead. He's going to be a little disturbed, I'm afraid. Had a break of day, then. No, but I told him to pick me up tonight at the warehouse. That's where the meeting was going to be, but Mr. Gargan changed his mind. Decided that the last minute would be nicer to get together at the Malcolm estate. Well, I'm sure your boyfriend will understand. Night. Night. Thanks again. Oh. All right, Jeff. Let's get... What's the matter? Wait a minute. Huh? Did she say the meeting was scheduled to be held at the warehouse and the plans were changed at the last minute? Yeah, yeah that's right. She... Uh-oh. Yeah. Come on, Jeff. Get this thing rolling. Let's get to that warehouse. Okay. Okay, Larry, so here's the warehouse. How do we get in? There's a window over here. Must be the office. Come on. Let's have a look. Give me the flashlight, Jeff. Hey. See anything in there? 
Yeah. Yeah. Take a look. It's there in the center of the floor. Let me see. Uh-oh. Two suitcases. Uh-huh. That's what we've been looking for. we better break in this window. That won't be necessary, gentlemen. Hmm? Hey, what? The office door is open. Let's all go inside. Well, Mr. Gargan. Mr. Mitchell. Jeff, the man with the gun is Mr. Malcolm's general manager. It's fine. Shall we go inside, gentlemen? Go on. Go right on through. To the warehouse. Anything you say, Gargan? Too bad you got here so soon, Mitchell. I'm afraid you'll have to be detained for good. Sounds ominous. What's happening? You've been just a little too clever for your own good, Mitchell. Now, that's far enough. I'm stop you. Yeah, it's beginning to add up, Gargan. Malcolm and his bigwigs weren't scheduled for the big blow after all, were they? You figured that out, have you? Sure. You knew the meeting place had been changed. You changed it. You could have had the TNT moved over to the Malcolm estate, but you didn't. Go on. So it was the warehouse you were after. Insurance? No, no, that wouldn't be it. Maybe, uh, covering up something, huh, Mr. Gargan? <laughs> You're quite good at these things, aren't you, Mitchell? My batting average isn't bad. Oh, company, Mr. Gargan. Open those doors behind you, quickly. Now, come on, Jeff. Let's do as the man says. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see who's driving that truck? Yeah, Charlie Simmons. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Mitchell. You know, Charlie, I figured you were in on this somehow. You're just smart, boy. I knew you were the minute you left your room tonight. When you took me over to that bar. So? You wanted me to find that cigarette girl, didn't you? But you were certain I wouldn't reach her until after the explosion. Then when she talked, Sirotti would be blamed for everything. Would have to do with his grudge against Malcolm. He sure is clever, ain't he, Gagan? Only your little scheme backfired. I found the girl too soon. That was a break for me. All right, let's cut out the talk. This has been going on for quite some time, huh, Gargan? Lifting stuff out of Malcolm's warehouse? I said cut out the talk. So now you need a cover-up. Maybe with Malcolm suddenly retiring, there was going to be an inventory, huh? You couldn't let that happen. <laughs> you are. The warehouse had to be destroyed completely. You couldn't trust a fire to do that. You know something, Mitchell? You and your little friend here... We're going to go up with it. I don't think so. Stop it! Look out, McCoy! All right, hold it, Charlie. You're not going That's a pretty good lift you have, Mitchell. Thanks, McCoy. Thanks for showing up. Don't mention it. Look, are we going to stand around here, Gavin? What about those suitcases back there? Relax, Jeff. I've already taken care of them. What? Before Charlie and... <laughs> Before Charlie and Gargan arrive. Oh. Okay, Charlie, on your feet. You're not hurt. Uh, go on me. Looks like your tip paid off, Mitchell. I've been tagging Simmons ever since I got your lead. Took a look at his room. What are you talking about? You overlooked something, Charlie, when you killed Sorotti. What? You did kill him, didn't you, Charlie? Maybe Sorotti got panicked. He wanted to give himself up. You were afraid he'd spill everything to the police. You're crazy. He shot himself. No, you shot him in your room. My room? Look, the cops found him in his room. That's right, only because you moved him there. You had to move the chair, too, because it was covered with blood. You didn't want anyone to find it in your room. So you just switched chairs, Simmons, took the one in Sorotti's room, and brought it back to your own. You didn't think anybody would notice the switch of chairs because all of them in the boarding house are exactly alike. You're crazy. There was one thing you didn't notice, Charlie. There was a small hole, a bullet hole, in the back of the chair you took from Sorotti's room. 
What? That's right. When I spotted it in your room, I wondered how it got there. With a gun battle raging at the front of the house, how could a bullet have lodged itself into a chair in your room at the rear of the house? But don't worry, Charlie. You'll get your chair. A hot one. Yes, citizens, it all began with the death of a police sergeant on the steps of a rooming house on East Lancy Street. Ended just a few minutes before your crime correspondent came on the air tonight. The late word from police headquarters, Charlie Simmons has confessed to the murder of Dino Cerrotti. And there it is, citizens, the exclusive story. Yes, and society gladly accepts the resignation of members Gargan, Simmons, Cerrotti, mourns the loss of gallant police officer Frank Vixen, who lived in your service, died for your protection. Crime Correspondent is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Paul Fries as Larry Mitchell. Script is by Adrian John Doe and original music by Marlon Skiles. Here once again, Larry Mitchell. Next week, death in an alley, a woman's laugh, and a silver key open the door to Hangman's house. Till then, and at this very same microphone, this is Larry Mitchell, reminding you that truth, like the sun, submits to being obscured, but like the sun, only for a time. Good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Uh, well, it wasn't Paul Frey's greatest performance, but overall, I didn't think it was a bad uh, story. Some good uh, musical arrangements, but I can kind of see why this series only made it for four weeks. You also have something explained here, or I think you can at least draw a reasonable inference. And that is why the name of the lead character was changed on Notbeat. If you'll recall the first edition of the series with Edmund O'Brien featured a lead character named Hank Mitchell. But the Frank Lovejoy audition featured a character named Lucky Stone. And having a show air on another network with a reporter named Mitchell in between those two um, auditions probably influenced the name change because you wanted to stay out of court. Though NBC had had its own Mitchell on for the summer replacement series Dangerous, Dangerous Assignment, and may have wanted to avoid replicating that. Although it's uncertain whether 
NBC had decided to bring back Dangerous Assignment at the time that second audition was recorded, as it would return to the, to the air on the same day that Night Beat premiered. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Richard Diamond. And next Tuesday, it's time for Follow That Man. If you do have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.